Everyone has a story to tell. Welcome to Dingo Talk, where we explore the experiences that make us who we are. Here's your host, Carlo Guadagnino. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is the founder of the Simkovich Concussion Institute, Dr. Charles Simkovich. Thank you for being here, doctor. You're welcome. Nice to see you again. It's good to see you. It's been it's been many years now yes, since yeah, very many. Um, and I had you on way back when I had you on a show when I was still a, a student at Bethany, um, which yes. led to, to us having this connection. Um, now, I got to ask you, as a as a doctor, was 18 year old you that was what you wanted to do right off the bat? Actually, uh, a, a lot of people, my family are doctors. So it's all, it's a conversation at the dinner table from the time you can remember and uh, a lot of academics. And so, uh, you know, that's all you heard. So it's kind of how you were brought up and uh, like we could staff a hospital uh, with, with relatives. You know, we have orthopedic surgeons. Uh, one of my cousins is the breast cancer surgeon at Sloan Kettering. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, anesthesiologist went to Ruby, went WVU, uh, you know, chiropractors we have every every we have everything except dentists so, so you cover uh, everything yeah we can staff a hospital you know family reunions are uh a bunch of dr Simkovich's, and the black sheep are phds so ah. you know, you know, we have uh, my one uncle ran the uh, phd the graduate uh, program in metallurgical engineering at uh, penn state for years dr george Simkovich. i mean brilliant brilliant man you know, it, it's funny how those things run in families. My wife's family are all acad- academics. They taught in colleges and high school and and they have a lot of lawyers and people like that. And so, you know, it's really kind of neat. Like we, we were one of her family functions and they said, hey, let's play a game. Uh, we'll throw out a quote and you got to think, holler who it is. And my wife yelled a quote and her cousin, who's a criminal attorney and his father, who's a lawyer, yelled out uh, Winston Churchill and, and I was like well I I'm not going to be able to participate in this game but yeah, this so isn't yeah, a game it, for me it, yeah but yeah that's that's pretty much how we and uh so uh luckily early on uh I got asked to look at uh join a group of doctors who were researching cranial bone movement and the effect it has on how your brain functions and their first focus was for learning disabilities and dyslexia and uh we um I realized after all our findings that most of these cranial faults or aberrant movement of the cranial bones were from trauma. So I kind of walked down the concussion uh, path and that's the direction I took it. Not, you know, now, now under that, a lot of concussions cause learning difficulties. So it's a, it's an umbrella that covers everything. And, and, you know, where I've seen this go since 1986, since I've been doing this is just, phenomenal i mean where it is today and the results we get today are it just keeps progressing you know i start every morning at five in the morning just going over uh, latest research and i'll tell you what once a week i find uh, new new things that you 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 read all the research and you're like i i can't believe it uh like and they just figured out we we knew the waste was removed from the brain from cerebrospinal fluid mm-hmm. flow csf but we didn't know the details. And um, uh, I work for the NHL Alumni Association and their chief medical officer is a brilliant 
neurosurgeon named Dr. Amin Kassam. Mm -hmm. He's the doctor who pioneered removing brain tumors through your nose. And he was talking about the glymphatic system when we first met. And I was like, what? So I started digging it. Here, the glymphatic system was just figured out in 2017 by a Dr. Nettergaard in Rochester, New York, where it, it takes it down to the cellular level of how the waste is removed from the brain. And Dr. Nettergaard took it even further where she, she said concussions cause the glymphatic system to stop. Mm -hmm. So the waste continues to build, which is why you see retired NFL football players get worse as years go on, like a junior say or a Mike Webster. Yeah. Things deteriorate to where uh, it's just, it gets really bad. It can happen to young people too. I just yeah. have a, a, a young girl, 19 years old from North Carolina. She's 15. She had a severe concussion. The mm -hmm. girl's been on um, Dr. Oz and ESPN. Um, and she deteriorated in, in five years to the point where she had a 60 second memory amongst other things she could and and the parents mm -hmm. went to uh several doctors 70 doctors over five years several of these doctors told the parents they should put this girl in an asylum and walk away anyway make a long story short we have a pastor from the monroeville area whose daughter had the same thing concussion no memory in fact he had gone into her bedroom to wake her up the next morning she didn't know him she screamed and uh wow. we helped her so this lady saw the North Carolina family on Dr. Oz and the mom, uh, the wife of the pastor called these, this family said, you need to get your daughter up here because he helped our daughter. Long story short, the girl's memory is totally back. And uh, uh, it, 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 she had headaches that's improving. Uh, you know, so everything is, 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 a lot of things are fixable that previously were not thought able mm. to be fixed. Well, so, and you brought up the, the hand in hand with the learning disabilities that finding with people that have had concussions. Now, if somebody was diagnosed with a learning disability beforehand, does the concussion have a different effect or a worse longer lasting? Does it matter? Is, are we not that far yet? Does, does a learning disability pre pre having a concussion, does that affect the concussion itself? Well, the concussion can affect the learning disability. You know, okay. you you can be genetically predisposed to dyslexia or mm -hmm. learning problems. You know, we're still the sum total of our parents genetically. So if you were having learning difficulties, most times a, a head injury, cumulative effects of small injuries or concussion will make the learning disabilities worse. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll examine a bone in a skull called a sphenoid bone. It's right in the middle of the skull. The brain sits on top of it. And this, uh, this, this bone tells me the story. And it, it's like Grand Central Station in the skull. Okay. Um, every other cranial bone articulates or creates a joint with the sphenoid. So its movement moves your entire skull. Mm -hmm. Plus your eye muscles attached to it. So it's going to affect your ability to move your eyes, eye tracking. So it's going to cause reading problems because you can't move your eyes. You also have three cranial nerves pass through openings in the sphenoid called foramen, cranial nerve three, four, and six that control eye movement. That's called the oculomotor, trochlear, and abducens. So we have an eye muscle potential problem. And we have a nerve problem moving the eyes. Your optic nerve goes through this mm -hmm. to make it even more complicated, uh, your pituitary sits in the middle of this bone in, a, in an indentation called the cella tersica. And when I started doing this, we didn't connect organic problems with concussions. Well, now they are because 
uh, findings show that there's often damage to the pituitary gland after concussion. So now we know there have been studies done, dozens of studies where concussions cause hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. irritable bowel syndrome, erectile dysfunction, hormonal problems, tachycardia or rapid heartbeat because the pituitary is damaged a lot in concussions. And when we started doing this work years ago, we we would do CT scans, MRIs, blood work. And I hypothyroidism kept coming up and uh, coming up. And, and I started reporting this. Well, I got laughed at. Well, now they've proven that's the case. Well, behind the pituitary glands, the pineal gland, which regulates serotonin secretion, which is what's messed up during PTSD. Mm-hmm. Now we add to it that the jaw muscles, the external and internal pterygoid muscles attached to the sphenoid. So everything is intimately related. And so from a structural standpoint, that kind of tells me the whole story of where we are. There can be a sphenobasilar fault where I know the person's going to get decreased blood flow to their midbrain. Mm-hmm. From an academic standpoint, that's going to cause short-term memory issues. So you're going to have a student who studies and not recall everything they studied the night before. So, you know, reading problems, uh, short-term memory issues, then you add to that the lymphatic system slows down so the brain starts to deteriorate. It doesn't remove tau proteins, which causes CTE. Mm-hmm. It doesn't remove the beta amyloid proteins, which is what causes dementia. So concussions are now f- causing far greater mm-hmm. health problems than even when I started doing this in 86. Well, now, can you explain what CTE is? And, and is there a way... Like as I'm sitting here, we still can't find it in in me alive. Correct? It has to be diagnosed once you're no longer with us. Yeah, on autopsy. Yeah, CTE stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, they can't diagnose this except on autopsy. Mm-hmm. You can get a suspicion of it because people are having symptoms that they they do crazy things. They're in depressions. They, you know, they have severe anxiety. They can't read. They can't write. They can't remember anything. You can make an educated assumption. Okay, maybe this is it, but you can't confirm it one hundred percent, except for autopsy. Um, and uh, uh, I think Doctor Amala was the one who figured this out, where he does die staining on autopsies, and he saw the the damaged brain. Mm-hmm. We do know now with the work that Dr. Nettergaard did that the glymphatic system removes these waste products like tau proteins, which is what causes CTE and the beta amyloid proteins. So um, is how important really is it that we are able to diagnose CTE on a living person? You know, I don't know if it would really have an impact on changing my treatment procedures because they're still going to present with the same problems. Mm-hmm. knowing that they have CTEs are really going to change what I need to do to a patient. So is it that important? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would be, uh, maybe not because I still, my physical findings are my physical findings. And I'm trying to think if I know this patient has CTE from some test, would it change the rehab and the treatment? I probably not because no. it's already established and getting the results that it gets. Well, and let's, let's dive into what, first off, what, if somebody like, if I were to come to you, what's the assessment like right off the bat as a, as a new, new incoming patient? Well, first of all, you, you want to make sure all your diagnostic workups are done. You know, 
uh, when a concussion is new, you do a CT scan that sees a gross bleed or any kind of pathology like a fracture or a Chiari. You know, as time goes on, you want to do an MRI that sees a finer bleed. Mm-hmm. It's more definitive. You just want to rule out pathology. You can't see concussions on a scan. Um, then uh, you, you want to, um, we have a, a history that we take that is very extensive. Uh, what the patient tells me on the method of the concussion, um, where you were hit on the head, is it one big blow to the head? Is it multiple lower uh, blows to the head, accumulative mm-hmm. effects? Um, uh, uh, the symptoms tell me of what I'm going to find a lot with the sphenoid. And then the, phys- the, the physical exam, the physical exam tells me uh, really what I need to do. And then you, I, I come up with my treatment plan based on what I find. Treatment plan is uh, based on what I do is anywhere from two to five days. The patient's in my office for about two hours and, and uh, the treatments are employed once every 20 minutes for mm-hmm. five times. We found over the years that just, it, it accomplishes uh, you, what you're doing is taking every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if somebody has an old injury, multiple injuries, they were going to take a lot of rehab. Mm-hmm. And, and some people live like one week in my office, I had uh, four people from Texas, one from Oklahoma and somebody from Jamaica. They don't have months to live in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So we had to condense the treatment. Turns out the treatment being more intense like that actually gets far greater results. And you're able to resolve years old injuries and, uh, and you, and you restore the CSF flow, the lymphatic system function, blood flow, you, you stabilize pressures based on uh, aberrant movement of the CT, uh, the uh, sphenoid bone. So that, that's what we would do. Uh, uh, if people live local and they come in, I can examine them and we can schedule them for whenever mm-hmm. we have a spot. Uh, what we typically do is uh, somebody comes from out of state, uh, like today we had um, uh, somebody from Illinois um, I think South Carolina, Wyoming. And so we have a setup so that we uh, examine them and then start them right away because uh, we don't want them to go back to Wyoming and come back uh, two months later. Yeah. So, yeah. So my, my staff takes care of all they, they're, they're incredible. My staff is incredible. And um, then and obviously not everybody need has what I can help. So I have mm-hmm. a good team of doctors around me that are more appropriate. Like I, I, I utilize a lot of Dr. Alexandra George. Um, she's a TMJ specialist. And a lot of times she can do more. And if the problems from down here, she's a part of the international college of craniomandibular orthopedics. Uh, so she's valuable to my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with the pituitary damage, we, 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 use, we use different doctors who can help you with the you know, hormonal replacement or whatever you need. Uh, I, I work now with Wheeling University's uh, doctor of physical therapy program. We, we have ongoing research with them. We've done three studies. One's published at the American College of Rehabilitative Medicine. Um, they're on their fourth and fifth study now. So physical therapy plays a big part. They, they used to make people rest. Mm-hmm. Now we're finding out being sedentary is not effective. So once we restore normal cranial bone movement, the rehab program is, is critical because it speeds up your process of healing. So, well, and, and for those that don't know, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, I believe they can find you in the, in Wexford, correct? Right. right. Yeah. In our, in our web, just Google me and our website comes up simkovichconcussioninstitute.com. Um, 
and we're we're pretty good at getting people in quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, we had a six month wait, and it was nobody's fault but our own. Uh, we were just uh, not scheduling appropriately, but uh, uh, we keep spots every week for emergencies. Now, from what your research and what you've seen, how many? What would you say the the amount of concussions is the point where maybe maybe we should be like a set number that we should call you should call it a career. I mean, is it that second one? Is it the is it the third one? For some people, is it that first one that you just kind of have to walk away? It varies person to person and how severe the concussion is. Uh, you know, there's no there's no set number. Mm-hmm. You, you, I, I have uh, people that uh, they have a career that's conducive to hit, being hit in the head, and uh, they want to keep playing, so they uh, utilized me on a regular basis. Like mm-hmm. we've had a lot of the Steelers over the years, they would just make a stop after every practice in my office just to make sure everything stays clean. Other people, they get to the point where you say, you know what, you, you've got to stop. Uh, I just had that conversation last week with a girl that plays high school soccer. Uh, she's had too many. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time bringing her back because she's to the point of possibly doing some damage. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to her mother and I said, we we need to take her out. So I, I actually uh, wrote an excuse saying she's, she's done, basically. Uh, I've had, uh, I had a college football player, six foot six, 360 pounds, decided he was done on his own because he just got sick of feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with a high school hockey player. So it, it's an individual thing. Um, I mean, there are cases where I have to tell people, you know, you're at risk. So, it, it, but there's no, it, it's not one or two or three. It, it depends, you know, uh, smaller statured people are more at risk because they're not as protected as heavily muscled people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's studies to support that. The Society of Automotive Engineers has done studies on the facts of tr- the effects of car crashes on body mass in, in petite little women are damaged more than heavily muscled men. So uh, it, it was, was the blow to the head in the temporal region was in the frontal region. So yeah, there's a lot of factors to play into that. Um, so yeah, it's, it, there's no set recipe or formula for that. Now, when I, I can remember when I was playing, there was there was a grading scale. I think it was a, a one to three. Three was you you lost consciousness or blacked out. Two was a mild concussion. One was you know that you saw a little bit of stars, but you never really lost. What is the real grading system for training staffs? You know, when they're out there and you're looking at a person, obviously eye test. I'm guessing physical traits. What are we looking for on the sidelines there when a player comes off and has, and how do they grade that? Well, it's, it's, it's subjective and there's multiple different means of testing. Uh, you, you know, hopefully in, and most of the trainers that I know and have worked with are very well trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's hard to get a testing mechanism on the field. The, the real thing is their ability to recognize and, and the trainers know their players. Yeah. So they know what they were like pre and post, like, okay, this kid was this way and he's hit. Now he can't tell me the months of the year, mm. you know, you watch are his pupils reacting. Is he able to follow your, your finger? Can he answer questions coherently? How's his balance? You know, can he walk? So th- there's some immediate tests that are actually more effective than even the grading scale because the grading scales are very subjective and they vary from test to test. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, you just want to rely on the expertise and the ability of the trainer to, and, and most of these guys are pretty sharp. Uh, athletic training uh, today is just, they're, they're so well-educated mm -hmm. and they do such a good job. Uh, and they're intimately involved with the players on the team. So they know them. Well, and before the show, we had talked about a little bit about, you know, there are 16, I think there's 16 or so that are like the approved, similar to the impact test and tests like that, where um, they're, they're still, as far as we've come study wise, we seem that those tests seem to still kind of be lagging. Are, is there a way to improve those tests or are they more just a tool that needs to be utilized the way it's being utilized? Um. I mean, it's a first step. It's better than having nothing. Mm -hmm. Are they perfect? No, not really. Um, I mean, Peyton Manning, uh, when he was playing, he he said on ESPN that he tanked the impact test every year because in case he got dinged, he didn't want to have to come out of the game. So you can cheat some of these tests. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you, you know, and do are they a diagnostic tool? No, they're an assessment tool. They're not FDA approved. So, mm -hmm. so they're not. That means they're just an assessment to help guide your medical decision making. Uh, again, it's what, what we talked about before the show. The, the 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 important thing is the doctor's exam. Mm -hmm. Like if, if if I'm on the sideline and I'm look, I'll examine a person. I'll say, okay, this guy's done, or he's done for the game, or no, he he there was just something temporary. Uh, most most people take a hard shot are going to come out of the game. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, you, you, you can't really hang your hat on any kind of assessment because um, they're just too, they're flawed. I mean, the impact test of neuro is a repackaged neuropsych test. Um, you know, they took a, a three to five hour neuropsych test and packaged it down to an hour um, with a la carte uh, parts of the test that they think would maybe indicate a concussion or a head mm -hmm. injury. Um, so yeah, the, the, the tests are not overly reliable. Um, so you, again, you need the trainer, the doctor's expertise to say, listen, here's what's happening and, and they can either go or not. Well, and, and again, you know, I had you on the show in, I want to say it was 2012, 2013, right around there, maybe even later, 2014. Yeah, um, and from that time to now, it seems that, I mean, concussions themselves have been kind of in the forefront. You have two sides of this where, some people are still living that, you know, a ding on the head is not a big deal. And then there's people that are looking at the scans and whatnot and can clearly say, well, you know, your brain tells us the other story. What do you say to the people that, that don't kind of get what's going on and think that we're making maybe too big of a deal about concussions? Well, you know, a lot of people, uh, once you're down that rabbit hole of being concussed, sometimes you don't realize things are bad until things get better. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a fella who came off his motorcycle, his helmet saved his life, but he was in a coma for two weeks. After he healed from the coma, he came in to go through the rehab process. And the third day he came in, he said, Hey, I want you to know my color vision is back and it's vibrant. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you never told me your color vision was gone. He said, I didn't know it was gone until it came back. So it's, I equated it to like when I was a kid, I needed corrective lenses for my eyes. I had no idea. I couldn't see until they corrected. The, and I was like, oh my goodness, that's how you're supposed to see. It's crystal clear now. So sometimes, you know, you just get busy with life 
uh, you know, other people are very aware, you know, they know, listen, I am not who I was before I got this injury. Mm -hmm. I can't think. I can't remember anything. I have headaches every day that I can't get away from. And I had none of these before. So, um, you know, is it possible to get hit in the head pretty good and not have symptoms or have acute symptoms go away quick and you don't have longer lasting? It is, you know, mm -hmm. so you, you, every case is an individual case. Uh, some people don't realize it till, you know, they get older in life as the waste starts to kill brain tissue. Uh, L.C. Greenwood is an example. He was a patient of mine and he, he couldn't comprehend what he read when he came in. He could read mechanically, but mm -hmm. he didn't know what he was reading. And that cleared right up. And, and he was very aware of that. Um, so uh, most people are very aware that they're not where they were before. I I can attest to that. I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked about some of the physical effects that a concussion can show with the, like you said, the, there's e, the ED, the, the dyslexia, certain learning disabilities. What are the psychological effects that are being found with concussions? I mean, is there an association with depression, anxiety, panic attacks, et cetera? Sure. Uh, a couple things happen. One of the findings I find a lot is the greater wing of the sphenoid on the right is moved superior or it's actually moved up it's putting a lot of pressure on the right brain. The right brain is the emotional brain. So a lot of times people have anger issues, anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. Part of that's from the brain being abnormal, abnormal pressures on the brain. Part of that's from feeling terrible for a long time. My own mother is 84 years old. When she was, I think, 78 or 79, she was visiting my nephew in Colorado and his dog jumped on her. She went face first into the sidewalk, split her head open, a dozen stitches and it changed her personality. She's a real level, calm person. What made her real snarky and chippy and, um, you know, she was real agitated, easily agitated. Mm -hmm. So she went through the treatment process and it, it brought her right back. But the findings were there that I said, Hey, you're, you know, your, uh, your right brain is really overstimulated. Plus the fact that the pineal gland, as I mentioned earlier, can be damaged. And that is what regulate serotonin secretion which what's a problem during ptsd i had a guy uh have you heard of marsoc mm -hmm. marine special ops yeah so marine special ops are uh like the navy seals mm -hmm. um and so we get a lot of them and i had one fella uh came in from san diego he was a marsoc guy 11 years a sniper he had all kinds of problems he, he told me he used to wake up angry and he was mad at everybody all day, every day, would yell at everybody. And by the end of the week, he said he woke up happy. Um, he, he no longer had outbursts. It just leveled everything and, and it allowed the brain to heal and, and brought him back to the way he was. Um, you know, so the other thing that can happen is uh, when your adrenaline kicks in, you have a sympathetic nervous system versus parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is fight flight. Mm -hmm. So when we're under attack and your body doesn't, your brain doesn't know the difference between physical attack and emo emotional attack. Your sympathetic nervous system is kicked on and parasympathetic is inhibited, which is what regulates digestion, heart rate, pulse rate. So when you're fight flight, you, when you have to fight or run, mm -hmm. this is inhibited because you don't typically defecate and urinate when you're fighting or running. So that has to be inhibited. Well, a lot of times 
when the emergency is over, it's supposed to switch. A lot mm -hmm. of times if it goes on too long, like pain from concussions and, and the aggravation from concussions, your sympathetic nervous system never defacilitates. So that's another thing that can cause a lot of emotional distress and add to irritable bowel syndrome and all that because everything doesn't start working the way it should. And like uh, you said, everything's kind of intertwined within itself. Oh yeah. It, it, it cannot be unrelated. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, talking about stress, I just read uh, one of these early mornings, a, uh, a study done by a hematologist who is a doctor who deals with blood. And he looked at a blood sample of somebody who was perfectly healthy in every way. And he, he got a value of what was a normal blood sample. Mm -hmm. Then he looked at a blood sample of somebody who had physical trauma, like a broken bone or a stab wound or a concussion. And the blood actually was abnormal in many ways. Well, then he looked at blood of somebody who was under emotional stress like a death in the family or, or traumatic divorce situation. Mm -hmm. And their blood was just as bad as the physical trauma blood. And it, what that tells me is like your brain, your, your body, your brain doesn't know the difference between physical and emotional stress. It deals with them all the same way. And a lot of times with brain injuries, it, it's the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, so you, you've, you've hinted towards your morning routine for us now a couple twice. What is a typical morning routine? What is your morning routine like? Uh, well, I get up and I push the coffee button on <laughs> and then I wake up my stepdaughter to make sure she's going to go to school mm -hmm. and uh, she's 15. Uh, and then I sit down at the computer and I just start researching and that goes on for about an hour. Uh, it, just because you just, you, you know, you don't know what is new coming down the pipe or I review uh, to see if there's anything new about uh, any of the people I know or any people I work with. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then I, get a shower and head to work uh, so uh but yeah the, the the research is uh always changing always changing so and now that i know that you're a coffee guy that leads me into that next question which is um if you could have coffee with any three historic figures from any time period anywhere who would they be and why oh don't have to be historic they could be medical figures if you'd like yeah um well, that's <laughs> historic. I, you know, that's a good. Oh, my. Well, you threw me there. You threw me there. Um, I mean, you want to come back to that? I, I just think obviously you'd, you'd want to sit down with Jesus. You'd, you'd have to do that. Um, I, I think I would want to sit down with Moses. Mm hmm. Uh, and, uh, I would like to sit down with Dr. Fauci and just say, you know, what, what are you thinking? It, you just made so many mistakes and he's just, he's the most contradicted. He's a person I've ever seen that contradicted himself more than any other kind of medical person I've ever seen. And I want I would like to know why, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it, it, my, you know, my brain comes to a screeching halt when, he says, "Why well, didn't say that?" And then you see an old video. Oh, he did say that. It's like, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, it just seemed too political. It just seemed political and not medical. Now, and, is there any research that's showing that COVID has an effect with concussions? Well, yeah, actually, it, it makes concussion symptoms worse. Uh, we've seen that in our office. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, really, any illness can. But I've had people who 
uh, who've been through the treatment have been fine and contracted COVID and they have to come back and get looked at. It does affect their memory. Uh, anything that can make you sick can do that. So we've had to, to relook at people who've had COVID. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so it, it really any illness can. You know, can, had, and it's just that little bit of an imbalance can really sh can can send you down oh yeah. a rabbit hole. I've had people who reacted badly to anesthesia during general surgery, and and we had to relook at them or uh, a dental procedure, mm -hmm. just a dental procedure, just because of the muscles and how they tie into the sphenoid. Or, um, you know, uh, I've had women go on various birth control uh, procedures, and. Uh, uh, it affected them. So yeah, it, it creates a chemical imbalance. Well, and I think this is my last question specifically pertaining to concussions that I had written down. Um, can you explain what post-concussion syndrome is? And is there a length that that will, that, that we know it'll last, or is it a thing that will last until you address it? Well, post-concussion symptoms is a, is a departure from your normal makeup. You, okay, here's how you functioned before you had a concussion. So mm -hmm. post-concussion symptoms are all-encompassing of those things that are affecting you. Is it affecting your memory? It, did it give you headaches? Okay. Uh, is it causing you an inability to, to comprehend things? Do you have balance issues? Um, ringing in the ears? Uh, you know, so... Uh, the the symptoms from concussion has gone from this to this uh and so uh it, it's what is your departure from your normal that's a post-concussion syndrome mm -hmm. typically a concussion really can't heal totally unless the normal or typical cranial bone movement is restored and it allows all the physiology that's typical Mm -hmm. of the sphenoid movement and the pituitary and blood flow and CSF flow to stabilize. Anything short of that, you're at risk of things deteriorating. A lot of the, a lot of the acute symptoms can go away, but then you have, I have people, I have people came in five, 10, 15, 20 years post-trauma where things kept deteriorating and, and that, that things needed restored. So yeah, I, knowing what I know, uh, if somebody doesn't, get this uh a procedure done mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna be compromised and not it's gonna be hard to return to pre-concussion status there's a thing called second concussion syndrome which means once you've had a concussion any subsequent concussions are going to cause greater or more damage well that's the only thing in healthcare that i know it applies to because and that only tells you it's because the first concussion was never dealt with appropriately Mm -hmm. The father of orthopedic medicine is a fellow named Dr. Syriax. He was from England. And he said in any traumatic injury, the injury must be dealt with, with a treatment to the source of the injury. In other words, the injured site. Yeah. I don't know any other procedure in concussions that other than what I do that mm -hmm. treats the injured site. Um, and so that's, we make second concussion syndrome go away because we bring them back to their pre-concussion status. You don't have a second anything else in healthcare. Like you don't have second broken arm syndrome. You break your arm, it's cast, it's healed. You're not more susceptible to break your arm there again be, because you broke it once. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's almost the silliest thing I've ever heard. Second <laughs> syndrome. Um, you know, you don't have second, you know, broken nose syndrome. I mean, yeah. trauma. You know, it's fixed appropriately. 
but the first I think that was an explanation from the powers that be to explain away their inability to 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 fix these people who had a concussion mm-hmm. and uh, otherwise it just wouldn't exist so my people that come back to my office are people who have a new injury mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it happens yeah. I, I have a, a girl went to Tufts University uh she came in she was thrilled she was symptom free when she left hit her head on the plane flying home to Boston oh had to turn around three weeks later, go through the process again. But she was, and, and, and you know, I, I have a, a, a dental hygienist from Wheeling, West Virginia, that she had five concussions in three years and, and had to get, none of them were her fault. One, she was playing tennis with a partner, partner hit her in the head with a racket. You know, she never saw it coming. So, I mean, this poor girl, none of them were her fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, her husband's a dentist. He, he'd say, he'd put her in a car and bring her up. Say, you know, here, we got to do this again because mm-hmm. he, knows where we were before and after so so my last question for you is what's one question that you were expecting me to ask that i didn't and how would you have answered it or a question that maybe you get every day that i don't i didn't cover but would be able to help people understand what you do with the treatment as well um i i expected you to ask me about the nhl yeah, we're working with the NHL Alumni Association now, and, and a lot of people, that's a big topic. Um, but uh, uh, And why did you get involved? How did you get involved with the NHL? Well, the the uh, I had a lot of retired players come in to me who had major problems for years and didn't get help. Uh, the, the two most instrumental were a guy named Don Luce, who played for the Sabres, mm-hmm. uh, who he said he would read a paragraph and fall asleep. And after he went through the program, he read chapters. The other one is Rob Ray. I don't know if you know Rob Ray. He had 300 fights and 25 concussions. And um, he's famous when, when he was a rookie, a fan jumped into the bench and he beat up the fan. <laughs> um, anyway, Rob does a color broadcasting for the Sabres now. And mm-hmm. he was having issues and he came in and he told me his vision went from this to this after I treated him. And they went to uh, the NHL Alumni Association presence, Glenn Healy who won a Stanley Cup with Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, we, we had a meeting with Glenn and his, uh, the guy who runs the Alumni Association, Jerry Jormaka. And it, it, it initiated by, they, they acknowledged concussions are a problem, um, how they're being dealt with. They felt there was a better way. And I had helped so many of the players. They just needed to talk to that guy. And then they took me to Dr. Amin Kassam, who is their chief medical officer, the one who um did the surgery where it removes brain tumors through your nose mm-hmm. and uh, dr kassam just sat me down and and he said you know uh, give me the physiology behind what you do and i talked for maybe about 30 seconds he went like this he said listen you got me with the first sense he said i really understand what you do he said the physiology is perfect and he said i'm going to show you why what you do works and he, showed, he took me on a Zoom, a, a surgery where he had a probe into a girl's head in her brain. And she was talking to him the whole time. And he moved the probe and she talked totally backwards. He moved it again. She couldn't talk at all. He said, this is what you do. He said, you affect people's brains like this. You stabilize and normalize their housing so that the brain can work the way it's supposed to. And so, yeah, they're a good group of guys. And, uh, you know, uh, they're feeling it more than the active players because they're getting older mm-hmm. they're retired and that's when things start to decline now do you think 
is there any conversations that you're having with any of the other leagues or the other alumni groups trying to to get other athletes involved or i mean i've spoken to the uh local chapter the nfl alumni here in pittsburgh and, mm -hmm. and i've had a lot of the them as patients um cal mcnair flew me to uh houston to meet with them uh he's the owner of the texans yeah um and uh at the time their gm was i think a guy named rick smith and he couldn't wrap his head around this and uh so then cal took it to the neurosurgeon for the nfl and it just kind of disappeared a lot of people are threatened they they, they like job security um they don't want anybody you know stepping on their turf that's the only thing i can think so you know a lot of, those are big positions of power mm -hmm. uh, but it, it will become uh, this will become the, the uh, uh, treatment of, of choice and standard of care. Dr. Muhammad Haddad today, who is the lead researcher for Willing University's PT school, um, he just said this will become the standard of care soon because we're proving how much it works and it gets a lot of results for a lot of other uh, modalities fail. And, uh, you know, we're the right uh, mm -hmm. specialist to take care of this. So... And one last time for those that are, are that have made it this far with us, where can they find you again? They go onto Google and it's yeah, just Google Simkovich Concussion Institute. No fault. They'll find me. They'll see our website. And um, uh, I'm real proud of my staff. They do everything. Uh, I don't have to do anything. My I had one patient. He, uh, you know, he's one of those brilliant guys. He's a CMU professor. CMU is equivalent with Bethany. You know, and. Um, he was just watching my staff operate and he said, you know, they're just air traffic controllers. They just tell you where to go. And without them, it would be hard, but yeah, <laughs> they, they do the, they do the website, they do the scheduling, they know how to get people in and out. And, and since people are with us for several hours, they really make them feel comfortable and welcome, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is important. People aren't feeling good. Absolutely. Especially with, with what they're dealing with. Uh, they don't, you, the, the more relaxed they can be, the easier it is to get into the therapy and get going with it. Right, right. Well, for those of you at home, you can find us at, or you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. The only one that's different is the Instagram page, Dingo underscore talk, instead of just Dingo talk. If you type in just Dingo talk, you won't find me. You won't find Dr. Simkovich. You'll find a guy who is, he's, he's a very big fan of actual Dingoes. It's a bunch of pictures of wild dogs. It's not me. Great guy. I've talked to him. We're not, we help each other out apparently because he loves that I send everybody every week to his page. Um, you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, anywhere else you can get a podcast and YouTube. Uh, audios go up midnight on Thursday. The video goes up 10 a.m. Thursday on YouTube. Um, Dr. Simkovich, thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to sit down and talk with us. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, nice to see you again. It's very nice to see you and catch up. Um, and it's always great to have you guys with us. Please join us next week, and we'll see you again, Chuckleheads. Thanks for checking out this episode of Dingo Talk. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. For more info and to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dingo Talk.